Welcome to the African Experience Podcast, your podcast for fascinating discussions, stories, and interviews from the diaspora. Your host, Two Ordinary Africans. Hello, fellas. Welcome to another episode of the African Experience Podcast. Today we are back with another interesting and exciting and at the same time very, very, uh, what, what, what adjective should I use? Sensitive. Uh, very, very sensitive podcast. Um, so I hope our listeners would listen with an open mind and if you are sensitive this might not be the podcast for you but we hope you would be of an open mind and um, try to understand where we're coming from and why we thought something of um, a, a huge magnitude needed to be talked about before I go further, uh, let me bring in my co-hosts, Yakub Ali. Yes. Yakub, how are you? I'm good. How are you too? I'm good. I'm good. How is um, life treating you so far? Mm. Good. <laughs> good. We can't. We can't say anything. All right. So actually. Bad. Before we go further, I just wanted to make mention of something. Today's date. Today is the 12th, no, sorry, 20th December, 2020. And the reason I'm try- I mentioned this is I wanted us to talk about briefly, briefly about what's happening back home in Ghana. Right? Uh, we just had an election. And there are some unfortunate uh, issues and unfortunate things that uh, came up and it's very, very sad to, to see and hear about. What do you have to say about this? Not, you don't have to be political. You just have to be a guardian and talk about it. I think the truth will always be the truth. Right. You understand? And... Um, so far, Ghana has been labeled as the beacon of democracy. Mm-hmm. So, and we also have to understand that democracy is not only about voting peacefully and then going home. Mm-hmm. It involves so many other things. Yeah. And the more we are conscious of these things, the more it will help us. You know, it's been a very long time since we had an election where people lost their lives. That's true. And there is not just in this, like just two people or just one person. Even one life is important. So all the um, significant um, stakeholders in this 
elections have to bow their heads in shame mm -hmm. for a citizen of the country who went to vote and then as a consequence they lost their lives and one person i think is the first time voter 18 year old boy lost his life and it's painful it could be me it could be you it could be any other person so for us to be sensitive about these things we need to put ourselves in those in those people's shoes or their family's shoes then i think we will understand the pain it caused um these these people i think um there have been so many reports that the election has been peaceful the voting has been peaceful but when it came to coalition that is when some irregularities happened but for me i think um at the end of the day it's going to be one person who is going to be elected but until then or have been elected because now the ec electoral commission of ghana has um, declared one person as the president officially mm -hmm. and the other uh, biggest opposition is still um, in contention uh, about the results yeah. Personally, I think if they have any um, legitimate concern, it should be addressed. I agree. You understand? It yeah. should be addressed. It's, it's, it must be addressed because it's also part of the democracy. Yeah. I don't believe it. Anyone who will say, okay, let's forget about it and move on. I don't agree. No, I, I do not agree about that either. Um, I mean, if you allow something, if there is... A concern, like you said, it should be addressed. It should be taken through the right channels, rather than leaving it up to the people to 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 take care of. So, if they believe they have substantial evidences and legitimate claims, we should take it to through the right process and make sure it's being treated as such. Exactly. Right? If uh, on the on, on the on the other hand, the other people talking about, like you said, saying that um, this it should be forgotten for the peace of the country, blah blah blah. This is not something that should be that should create. Um, it should create some a certain level of uh, I don't know chaos in the country, which is normal. But it shouldn't be something that should be forgotten in the sense that if this happens today, what is there to say that next four years it's not going to happen? Exactly. If you allow it to go without actually being accounted for. Exactly. Next four years, something worse might happen. So before it goes any further... People need to understand that it needs to be treated as such. Exactly. And, yeah. and we kind of live in this kind of um, illusion as Ghanaians, as if we are so different from the other African people so that um, no matter what happens, there is not going to be any conflict. People are going to live in peace. But peace has, has a price. And if you want to, you, if you want peace, you have to pay for it. You understand? And everything that is happening in other African countries, 
I tell you, they didn't expect it. They thought they were also peaceful. But it took one stupid person to trigger something and then it started and it's difficult to find the end. And as you said, if it continues without being addressed, it's going to um, set a precedent. Yeah. Yeah. And it will take one person, one person to sit on the throne or become a president and then he will apply the same tactics and it will be difficult for the, for you to remove that person. Yes. You understand? So we all agree that if there is a legitimate concern, it should be attended to yeah. for peace to prevail. Definitely, man. Definitely. We just hope uh, nothing of such uh, violence actually happens and we, we see to it that everything goes as smooth as possible. Exactly. And whatever be the case, Ghanaians have to understand that um, the country is not for two people. It doesn't matter what party you are from. It doesn't if you whether you're NDC, NPP, or whatever party you're from, Ghana is always and will always be for Ghanaians. So we have to just move forward and then think of how we can actually live through these difficult times without actually hurting people and then hurting the country in the long run. Exactly. Yeah, because funnily enough, we talked about this last on the last podcast. We, we made mention of how it's, it becomes difficult for a country to actually come out from a coup Exactly. Same applies to um, unrest in a country. When a country becomes, uh, when when parties or people from different parts of the place uh, become start become hostile to one another, before the the country recovers. Exactly. It takes a really really long time, and and we should stop thinking like we are exceptional. We are not. That's we are true. not ex- actually. We're not. We're not. Even though we've tried as much as we can to live as peaceful as we can throughout the years, like you said, peace has a price. If you're not ready to pay that price, make sure you behave properly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess it could be a nice segue into today's um, topic, which we deemed as sensitive quote-unquote, uh, we, we are going to talk about um, slavery slash colonialism slash racism, whatever, you, you understand the concept, but it's, it's, it's mainly going to be a historic look, historical look. This is, I, w- I wouldn't want to say it's, it's a history lesson, but it's just, like I said, two ordinary Africans talking about things that had happened before and looking from a lens of, I don't know, uh, readers and researchers, whatever you want to make us of. So, slavery in Africa, before I, before I get into it, before we get into it very deeply, would like you to know, would like the listeners to know that uh, we're not trying to use the 
we're not trying to use or take the 21st century worldview to, to apply to, I don't know, 10th century, 15th century, even way before that kind of worldview. Uh, we are trying to look, because things have changed and we need to realize that it also affects how people behave and how history change over the years. There are some things that would remain the same, but we, we, we won't say it's, it's very sensible to use that. That is my view. Jakub, you might have a different um, take on this. What do you think? Do you think what I said is 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 okay, or do you, do you think otherwise? I think we talked about this. I talked about this with you some time ago, if you remember. Yeah. Um, giving issues or topics, it's um, putting it in its own context. Context. Yes. You understand, and I sometimes become very confused and i talked to you and you explained it to me a very long time ago about um there are some people i ask um they did something good in the past mm -hmm. and maybe it wasn't recognized then yeah. as something good but we bring them to our time and we put their statues um, we, we praise them, we write books about them, we sing songs about them. But the same people, when they do something wrong, we say, no, we need to understand their time is different from ours. So I kind of have these um, conflicting yeah. views in my mind. But of course, for us to be fair to them, we need to put them in their time and see what was happening then and then see if it's applicable what they think what they did is applicable to our time i think that's the only fair way to address these issues that's true that's true i i do understand where you come from it's very difficult to actually um like i said historical figures historical figures need to be taken as a whole you don't take a part of a person and ignore something else this person might have done being it good or bad you don't ignore it you have to acknowledge the fact that people had been they were they were the result of their time and they are the same person doing the good and then the same person doing the bad this might be um because of maybe changing view, changing of their views as time goes on, or maybe something else. Maybe we just have to be honest. I think and fair. Yes, and fair. And this should be applied to anyone. Exactly. We're trying to talk about certain people, as we've learned and try to demonize in some in many ways rightfully so in other ways it's just too biased right so that is all we're trying to bring to to the table yeah so um these two things we're going to talk about are uh, which we think people really do not give it the daylight especially or give it a proper um 
thought process and it's it's not it's very understudied i should say right uh, uh, there are the trans-saharan slave trade the trans-saharan slave trade and the transatlantic slave trade and how it has affected its descendants um, over the years we're trying to look at it in hindsight so to speak all right so um slavery slavery what 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 comes to mind when you hear the term slavery Jakob? i think for most people mm-hmm. especially where we are living now when you say slavery it's just africa yes that comes to the mind of people some someone like me who has been um passionate about these things i read some things um from different sources i know it didn't start with africans in africa from africa Mm -hmm. i think it started way 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 back in history and even when you look at the 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 essence of the word they say it's, it's slav yeah because it started with the um, Slavic people. The Slavic people, you understand. Yes. So it existed way, way long before even the European came to Africa, before even the Arabs came to Africa, who, who came earlier than the um, Europeans. Actually, so for me... 700 years earlier. You see. To put a context to it. Yes. So for me, it's, it, it doesn't seem um, to have happened to Africans alone. It was there, but yeah. I understand people when they think about it in the context of Africa because of the atrocities and the the length of time it took for it to be abolished or for the Africans to resist it. I don't want to say use the word abolish. The Africans resisted resisted it. They yeah. fought it, and yeah, they they succeeded actually. You understand, that but yes. True. But as you said, we need to look at the trans-Saharan and then transatlantic slavery as well. So um, talking about slavery, I I had once actually sat and actually tried to write about something of of this magnitude. Yes, and you sent it to me, right? Yes, yes. It was actually in Turkish. It was yes. in Turkish, and uh, I was asked to be—I was asked to write it by a think tank here in Ankara. Um, w- while researching it, mind you, prior to that, I hadn't really researched it in detail. Mm. Even then, I started. What I've known since then till now has changed my perspective of everything I look at when it comes to slavery. So, uh, what we need to know is that slavery is something that's not, it's not a new phenomenon. From, from the time, from the beginning of history, slavery has existed. Um, you can take the Greek, the Romans enslaving the Northern Europeans, the Greeks and the Romans enslaving the Northern Europeans, they call them the pink skin people. Mm. 
<laughs> you can imagine how they were actually treating or talking about these people is very similar to how um, 17th, 18th century European would talk about an African, uh, the, the, the savagery of the black man or the black continent. When you read um, ancient history, Strabo, they talked about how Europeans, uh, Northern Europeans were savage. Even the word um, barbarian was used to, to talk about the Germanic people. The Romans, they called the Germanic people the, bar the barbarians, right? Basically saying they're savages. When you look at that history, you'd think, and no context was given at all. You'd think it was a white man actually talking about a black man because that is what we've been used to. Mm. So uh, slavery was there. The Sumerians, the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, yes. way before them, uh, it predates uh, recent history. That is what we and, need to know. Yes, it even led to the, the building of the pyramid in Egypt, right? Pyramids, People were, yes. Were... That's the, what history actually tells us. So these are things... And some people say the pyramids might not be built by slaves. That's also another topic. For another another argument, of course. Yes. And coming to Africa, which is what concerns us, which is what this is about. Another thing we need to know is, like you'd mentioned, slavery did not start when the Arabs or Europeans came into the continent. There existed a certain type of slavery you can name it wherever you want which people do indentured blah 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 you know there was a certain type of slavery way before the europeans came even 2000 3000 years bc it's you could begin with the bantu ex expansion that i think what we, we we've actually been able to actually gather the Bantu ex expansion from middle, mid Cameroon, Nigeria, mid Africa, mid West Africa into the sub Saharan, uh, Central, and Southern Africa. That expansion began 2000 years BC. So you could understand that Africans were not necessarily foreign to enslavement or slavery, the concepts, right? So that is what we're going to talk about. Yes. And uh, if you take, like what you said, if you take it in the African context, personally, I will not call it slavery. Hmm. I okay. say people have been, uh, they are um, war captives. I, I would like to use it that, that way. And we need to understand some things, as you said, putting things into context. Yes you have to understand that whenever there is um, two kingdoms or three or four who try to occupy a place, there is this kind of competition yes. between them. And this is not just exclusive to African kingdoms. It's happened everywhere. So what happened, everybody tries to occupy as, more, as much as he can places around to take more place to be stronger. So what happens? Kingdoms, they fight between themselves. They go to war so that they can have the right to control 
a vast land. And it happened also between Africans and African kingdoms. But the thing is, after they fight each other and villages or towns are conquered, mm -hmm. the people are taken in to the other kingdom who conquers the other as um, captives, you understand? And these people are being employed to work on the land. Some are being employed into the military. But the thing is, some are um, um, taken in with their families, children, and may, maybe their clan, even yep. clan, even uh, if we can say, and their food, where to sleep, what to eat, where, and their movement is not restricted. That's true. But this time, you are just under the new kingdom. That's understand true. so there are accounts and i've read uh, from the nigerian writer if i can remember him correctly his name is it chino achebe, chino achebe yeah. yes he he has written about these things a lot where people who were conquered they went into the uh, military and then they became a trusted member of the ruling class and with time they married the ruling class and then they became the king yeah. You understand. So these things happen a lot in Africa. Absolutely. When you compare it to other, most um, of the uh, trans-Saharan slavery and trans, we don't see this. People's rights yeah. and freedoms are taken away from them. Yes. So that's my stand. And when you compare it to the other two, I'm not trying to justify it be romantic or justify it but that there are accounts you can go read it and then yes. you can see it there yeah. i think what happens here is also semantics right um word play uh it's unfortunate that the only word we have for such acts of owning a person in english is slavery, slavery. yes right so in in the mere definition of what slavery is, that is also a slavery. So far mm. as, that is my view, obviously. So far as the person is not exactly the same. So for example, um, Kingdom A went on to conquer Kingdom B. And then the people of Kingdom B became the war captives, captives or the servants of Kingdom A. You wouldn't necessarily believe that the war captives and those servants would have or would be seen the same as the people of Kingdom A. Yes, and if they are given the option to live under the Kingdom A, will they accept it or not? Exactly. So they were incorporated unwillingly. Yes. So that that word we might, for the lack of a better term, we sh we would use slavery for now, until we find, find something much, much cleaner, which it's the case. I mean, and sometimes it's, it's if you take it case by case, right, no matter which, which part of the world you are, it's also depending on the person, the slave master, on how they treated the slave. So these are things we might not be we might not have enough time to to talk about yes 
but we'd like to employ people <laughs> we'd like to employ people to go find a very trusted um resource and read about there are loads of them right pre-colonial books um 17th century books even up to 13th century books we we, we luckily the internet is is a mind is a, is a mind you know you can actually find things like this yes very uh, so we 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 are kind of starting it chronologically right Mm. Um, we can only make mention of um, a very slavery long, long time ago. We can't. We don't have a lot of material to talk on because it's prehistoric, right? It's prehistoric. But when we come to history, when we actually started, we can actually gather information. Two of the main phenomena that ravaged the continents it doesn't matter where east west north south was in it first the trans-saharan slave trade or you could call it the arab slave trade but i am not calling it the arab slave trade just as how i'm not calling transatlantic slave trade the white slave trade Mm. right it's what it is the saharan yes. and then the arabic countries the arabic lands right who enslaving who will come to that so it's called the trans-saharan slave trade and then seven seven centuries after that we had the transatlantic slave trade which has been talked extensively about but yet still most people do not know the nitty-gritty of that mm. but we'll try so the trans-saharan slave trade because we're going chronologically is what started before the trans uh, transatlantic what do you know or what have you read so far about the trans-saharan slave trade well what I didn't read or I didn't find yet is the accounts on how the Arabs came to Africa. Yes, I've read it's through trade and then with the trade, you know, you meet people and then they see you performing some activities or acts and they become interested and then you explain it to them. If they like it, they also do it in the form of Islam. People, first of all, came having these uh, trade affairs with the Africans in Africa. And they saw them praying and they asked them what is going on. They explained to them and most of them became Muslims. Like you can see in Timbuktu, in Mali, in the Ghana Empire, a lot of them became um Muslims. But the interesting thing about the uh the Arab slave or I don't I don't like calling it Arab slave as well. Like I said, trans yes. Trans Trans-Saharan yeah, trans um slave trade is that it's very, very insidious. You know, it's not open, it's subtle. Yeah. It's not open but it's happening. 
The one account that I read, I don't remember where, when, where I read it, is about a man who accepted Islam and he liked the, the, the way the Arabs were doing their things because they were in a trade affairs. They were doing trade with each other. Okay. So this man, in order to um, help his son to learn the religion, he gave his son out to one of the Arab friends to take the son to their country, teach him about the religion so that he can come back and also teach his people. And this child or son was taken to the Arab country, but he was turned into a slave instead of a student. Mm -hmm. You understand? understand? And this happened a lot. This is not just peculiar to one person, but it happened. So many people were taken in good faith, but later it turned to be something, something else. Yeah, that's true. This, these, these are isolated cases, right? These are really isolated cases, and I'd actually take it further. Yeah, expand it. I'd actually take it further, way before even Timbuktu, the Ghana Empire. So, Arabs, the Arab land, the Arabian Peninsula, and the, especially the Horn of Africa, so, what do I mean by Arabian Peninsula? Mostly, I'm talking about Yemen, Saudi Arabia, and yeah, you, you get you get the map. Yes, right? yes. That part of the world is very understandable. To is very logical to think that they were in contact with each other. Maybe not as much as um, how it used to be, how, how it became afterwards. But they were. Um, they were in contact with each other way before the the the, the Islamic empires began, began. So, if we go into the Islamic history, we know as much uh, as pe people like um, Bilal Habashi, right? Mm. So that and he was a slave. There, there, there were people like Wahshi, right? There were other African, black, Ethiopian slaves. Who knows? Maybe there were even South Africans. We never, we, we, we don't have account for that. But what we mm. have account for is, are people like that. That goes to show that they used to be slaves. How they ended up in those lands, we don't, know, we don't really have an extensive literature on that. Mm. But what we need to know that it's it was there. Slavery was there before even the the the, the trans-Saharan slave trade was like a, a business or economic yes, yes. uh, for 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 the economy of the part of the world. To make uh, to come to more recent relatively recent before, after Bilal and who and those other slaves is when the, the 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 Arabs or the Muslims in this case rather, I think it was under the command of Amr bin As when they entered Egypt, right? When Sayyidina Umar, right, the the, the Caliphate Umar uh, sent Amr bin As to Egypt with about four thousand troops. And he actually even was 
skeptical whether Amr bin As could actually defeat the, 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 the Egyptians at that time. So mm. this is a little bit of history. Uh, in the 7th century, when they came into Egypt, there was only one way to go, west and south, right? So it could have begun very... Um, well, uh, it started with this, the main, um, I'd say, starting point of how things started, how the Arabs started to get to know their mm, yeah, contact with yes, the Sub-Saharan Africans. And uh, when he came in contact with, when they came in contact with the Nubians, right, the Nubians, they had to make an agreement with the Nubians to not enslave or take Nubians as, as captives. Mm, for the benefit of our listeners, where is the Nubia? Where is right. Nubia? Nubia is around southern parts, southwestern parts of Egypt and um, north and Sudan, so the, 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 the Sudan part. So, mm, so it's, it's between the Egypt and Sudan, um, present-day Sudan, Egypt and Sudan. I'd say it's a part of, it's the settlements around the Nile, yes. the Nile River. I think that's the best way to kind of explain. But their main stay, their main place was Sudan, right? Mm. So they made an agreement with these people. So that could be the start of the transatlantic, sorry, the trans-Saharan slave trade, right? So, yes, it's true. Things actually have context. So slavery was part of the economy of the time. This is something undeniable. It was, I mean, a slave was a commodity. Yeah. If you read uh, Ibn Battuta's Chronicles, he talked about how uh, he was gifted slaves uh, how he was gifted both men and women slaves in India, in, in um, what you call it, in Turkey, this part of the world, in Egypt, wherever he went. And kings gifted slaves out of their own generosity. That's how he, he actually calls it. Mm. He gifted them out of his own generosity. So it was agreed that slaves were property, and in, in that context, uh, the trans-Saharan slave trade had two different types of slaves. So we had, or the Arabs, the, the parts of the world, had two different types of slaves. They had the Abd, the Abd, which basically mm -hmm. translates as slaves. And then they also had Mamluks, which translates as owned owned so a mamluk could rise into the military status so mm. most of the mamluks were um they were they were more the white skinned type right? lighter lighter skin the lighter or oh, the white skin so um i think ibn batlan uh, in his guide to racism or oh, there was a book like that he was he said Indians and Nubians as guards, the Zanj, 
Zanj, which is referred to uh, the land of the blacks, basically, sub-Saharan Africa, as servants and eunuchs. I, I don't know if those who do not know what who a eunuch is, is basically, for, 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 for the lack of a better term, a castrated person, right? And he's, they, they, they're taken as um, bodyguards, so to speak. And then, uh, so the, we, they use the Zanj, the servants, for, for servants and eunuchs. And then Turks and Slavs, Turks and Slavs are soldiers. The Mamluk yeah, dynasty around Egypt. There were, there were there was um uh, it was an empire that was formed by slaves or owned property owned, right? So in time it became a dynasty. So there were different types. The the new ones in this what we're talking about now is very detailed. Yes. So that's what I want to say. If you take it back, there are ways to actually look at this. Trans-Saharan slave trade, it took a very, very long time to be abolished. Or like you said. If, if it's even abolished. Yes, if, very important. And we'll come to that, the modern slave trade. So, slavers from that part of the world made unspeakable things, inhumane things. Even the fact that slaves were treated due to the color of their skin, it's like the worst of the worst. So wait, you're taking slaves and then you're treating them differently due to the color of their skin in itself is a problem. Or should we say you are taking people and treating them based on the color of their skin. Of their skin, right? Because when you take them, before you take them, they were not slave. You gave them the name slave because of the way you are treating them. Yes. So they were just people. They were just people. That is true. Um, people could become slaves in the ancient times through different ways, right? Um, mostly war captivity. Uh, in in the Arab lands or in the mid in the medieval period, people were taking slaves mostly as war captives. Mm. When we come to the, the, the 7th century, 5th, 7th century Arab, people were taking slaves, one, war captives, two, if they were sold, how they became slaves, we don't really know, but they were sold to another master. That person could continue being a slave. Um, mm. When you were born into slavery, you continued being a slave, right? What about the indentured one? So, so this is the the thing is we have um, there are what we need to know is there were rules and regulations surrounding who could be a slave, how you could treat a slave, and we can we can be critical of how. Slaves were treated depending on the place they were slaves. So being an Arab slave, being a transatlantic European slave, whoever you are, that does not necessarily 
justify you being a slave in the first place. Mm, right? And the kind of treatment you treatment, receive. Yeah. Like I said, it's in general, it has, um, there are rules and regulations most of the time that surround all these. Okay, so I think I think I think I think we should we should move to the transatlantic slavery so that we can kind of look at the intricacies within it and how people were treated and the influence of religion on 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 on, on this because we can't do it without talking about how religion was manipulated to um, force people into slavery. So okay, and if, and I, if not not to, not to cut you short, there are reasons also. I may mention the fact that I don't call this Arab slave trade, and I don't also call it Islamic slave trade, and I don't call transatlantic slave trade. As we don't call the other Christian one Christian trade, right? So there are there are layers to this, but I I I, I digress. Yes, so. Um, what about you give us a very detailed uh, I don't know if it's people should read this is the <laughs> underline you have to read because within one hour or 45 minutes we can't explain everything yes, you understand we, we so now as as how did, did, did the, did the um, transatlantic slave trade began began oh okay yes so Again, again, before transatlantic slave trade, right? Europeans were also in contact with the African continent way before the Portuguese actually came. That is all we have to know. Um, there was the the kingdom of Carthage, Carthaginians, North African empires. Mm. They were very close to the Babylonian, the the, the Roman Empire. They had trade, they traded each other, they had wars. So, and Carthaginians, mind you, were mixed North African, maybe some Sub Saharan Africans, and the part of Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. So, it would be, it, it wouldn't be logical to think that Europeans only came into contact with Africans. Through, through slavery or, or, or 14th century, yes, I should say, because I think we we it's very very important to make this distinction because I remember when I was in school, we talked about the um, the coming into contact with the African, yeah, I mean the European coming into contact with the African. We always start to see fifteen hundred. Yes, the 14th century, 15th century. You see, it's 1500, the European came, they did this, they did that. But before that, what happened? Were they Europeans? Did they come? And I, on a certain account, I read about Plato, who he came to Africa to learn some things, and he was writing about them, and it has nothing to do with slavery. Yeah, so that is what, that distinction being made is clear. But also looking at the way we learned history is understandable. Because you wouldn't, I wouldn't say Europeans really knew about sub-Saharan Africa. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go as far as that. To make that claim. Yes. But or you I have can, to write a book to prove your point. Yes, but de definitely. 
what I can say is, like the Plato, the guys who are talking about the, the Greek, they were in contact with North, and especially Eastern Africa, Egypt, Ethiopia, Yeah. right? So uh, there is um, Ethiopia, I think I read somewhere, I don't have the resource, the, the source yet. It says the word Ethiopia actually meant the black-faced, mm. right? I don't know, yeah? I think it, was, it meant the black-faced. The Greek already studied, they went to Egypt. And another thing is Egypt was not necessarily totally black or African. It was a cosmopolitan place. So people were in contact with each other, right? But when it comes to sub-Saharan or Western Africa, yes, that might be the case. It might be the case that before 15th or 14th century, Europeans or the West never really had a direct contact. Mm. But if we come to the fact that we had huge empires like the Ghana Empire, the Mali Empire, right? That's also disproved this claim because these people had contact with other parts of the world. They, they, there are um, there are claim there are stories or history written by people like Ahmed Baba mm. about different parts of the world. So it doesn't make sense. Before the 14th they traveled. Century, yes. They moved around. Mansa Musa traveled yes. before yes. the 14th century. So yeah, I it's not necessarily the case, but we're going on a tangent here. If we come back to the transatlantic slave trade, there are different reasons. We can't pinpoint to one point that would say this is why Africans were enslaved. enslaved. There, are, there are scientific reasons. Throughout history, different people have, have tried to justify the slave trade by the Bible, the Quran, the, the Holy Test, all the Holy uh, texts, the books, science, um, talk about Darwinism, um, the fact that people were classed as non-people, animals basically, even below animals. That's also another topic and we'd have a more um, professional person to talk about this. Yes, even climate. Climate, so all Bullshit. these could be could be mentioned, and the main slavery of transatlantic slave trade was after the 16th century. This is all we have to know. 17th, 18th, 19th century was the main transatlantic slave trade. Yeah, that is when it was at the epic. Yes, at the climax of everything. Yes, when, yeah, when was that, that exactly is. So reasons why slave trade uh, happened, it's very difficult to pinpoint to one. But before that, Europeans came into West Africa, as we read, through trade too. Um, the, the Portuguese were, were sailors. We have Prince Henry, 
Vasco da Gama, all these people were sailors. And in the beginning too, they were settling at the coastal at areas. The coastal right? area. They didn't know anything about the yes. inner part of the African continent. Absolutely. So these are things we need to know. When everything changed rapidly was after, I think, the, was it the Industrial Revolution? When, so before that, there were conflicts, there were wars between Africans and the settlers, the colonial, the colonial, the colonial powers. There weren't mm. colonial powers then, but the Europeans. There were wars and conflicts, but almost always the African people came on top until the invention of the gunpowder mm. and everything. History started to change. Even right. then, there were resistance, but there were it was hard for you to different types of resistance. Yes. So. Not necessarily to go into history of it, we have to acknowledge the fact that these two things are not really explained in a proper manner. One is being studied thoroughly some, in some parts of the world. The other is very, very understudied. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're trying to bring to the table, right? Yes. So, um, I think due to the time constraint, Yes. I want us to talk about two, two things very quickly. Mm -hmm. One is the influence of, the, of religion in this um, slavery and how different religions, especially uh, the dominant religions, which is Christianity and Islam, view this slavery. You understand, and how people use the religion to just to justify yes. uh, these atrocities. So, what do you think? Very interesting. In the article I wrote, I can't quite recollect, but I'll try. So I read somewhere. So I wrote about reasons of slavery, right? There was a subtopic, reasons of slavery, and I mentioned about how Darwinism and other class systems and science and the Bible actually played and other religions actually played part in slavery. But we have to be we have to be careful. It, it is it explicitly stated in this holy text that it's not easy as a or some people manipulated this text to justify what they were doing. I'd say it's not easy as a yes or no answer. Mm. Uh, it needs a more elaborate and a more detailed answer, in my opinion. Right? Um, so in that uh, article I had written, I was researching and I found something that, I don't know how true this is, very fascinating. Um, they justified it with, the fact that the black Africans were the descendants of Ham. Yes. <laughs> the, the sons yes. of Noah, right? There's Canaan, Japheth, and I don't know, right? The four sons. Where was this justified? Was it in Islam or Christianity? So I was reading this, and it was justified, but it was, the sources were not mentioned. 
The sources are going to mention. I think that's the best way to put it. The reason why I ask you this, I'm not um, cutting you off, is that I, I actually, I was, I, I came across this thing. Yeah. In here, here in Turkey. Oh, really? And do you know how it happened? No. I was out on a, an excursion and with some friends, Turkish friends, and it was time for me to pray. So we took our evolution and then we went to the mosque to pray. We actually prayed. Yeah. And when we finished prayers, I was just looking around in the mosque. And then I saw a very big, um, how do you call it? Statue or a panel. Panel, okay. Yeah, on the board, and it was written on it the tree of prophet, prof, prophethood. And then it started from Prophet Adam. Adam coming down. So it interests me, of course. I wanted to see what is there. That is where I saw this story. Really? Yeah, in the mosque. Oh. And I was, honestly, I was disappointed. <laughs> Honestly, I, I have to be honest here. I, and I took the picture of, I still have the picture on my phone. Man, send it to me. I, I will send it to you. And I was really, really disappointed. So I went around to look for the Imam and ask him, what is this? Explain Trust it to me. me. Trust me. Yeah. So I was, it was written explicitly over there that the children of harm would have to eat from the children of the other. Is it Yam or something? They were different. They were like four names. Yes. Yes, and it was written the these the Arabs and these came from this Canaan, the Europeans came from and the African and Indians they came from this and these people who feed from this, it was written explicitly, yeah. and I was honestly disappointed. That's why I ask you, where did you see that? You see, but it seems that it cut across all the yes. religions. Yes, yeah. that theory. That theory was. I was also surprised to actually see something like that. But the theory might be from the Christian part or throughout history, the mix, the intermixing of religion actually created this. Yeah, the influence of um, the Jewish stories and Christian stories story in Islamic stories. stories. It, there, there, there is this amalgamation of stories. So sometimes if you don't go through it very well, you don't know which is which, which came from which, which is influencing which. Yeah, so... Um, and the, what you just mentioned is very interesting because in Ibn Khaldun's Mokaddima, he actually initially starts to talk about the, um, I'd say, the science of history. Mm. So Ibn Khaldun actually goes into detail what was possible and what made sense. And that is how I think we need to, we need to start tackling these cases in history. So yes. I came across this ham, Sam, whatever. And it was very fascinating to me. But unfortunately, I haven't had the time. I mean, you can only read as much as you can. Yes. Um, I haven't had the time to actually go into detail. So that is one of the justifications of slavery, right? People used to use. And other justification of slavery came by race. The whites being better than blacks, right? Mm. Stuff like that. And many other things which would be very difficult. As I'm talking right now, I'm looking at the time. And we've almost reached an hour. 
Yes, so, and the white man bed into to to go around the world civilizing people. They think they are not yeah, so like these, them. So these are the cases. Um, to wait to actually go further before we end what we're talking about, which I don't know how we got <laughs> this much. Um, in Ahmed Baba, Ahmed Baba, the the scholar in the Mali Empire, he has mm. this to say in his book. So I just saw this quote and I was too lazy to actually go into it. He says, and I read, whoever know, uh, sorry, whoever now comes to you from the group called the Mosi or Gurma or Busa or Borgu or Dagomba or Kotokoli or Yoruba or Tumbudu or Bobo, or Kamu, all these are unbelievers, remaining in their unbelief until now. So basically what he's trying to say is, these are the people you could capture. Mm. Capture as slaves. You could enslave. And it's very interesting how the regulations were around slavery, like you asked, with religion and how it was used. It's very difficult to say that religion is the main perpetrator or is the main reason the perpetrators used to enslave enslave people. But definitely, it was, um, how do you say, mial, mm, uh, what's, what's the English word of it? The translation of the religion. No, not translation, there is a word. The interpretation, interpretation, yeah. yes, the, the interpretation of those texts, very difficult to go into. People use it to justify have, their their course, I guess. Yes, I don't think we have enough time to go into this right now. Yes, but why why do we talk? Most of the time, we talk about the transatlantic slave trade, but not the trans-Saharan slave trade. I think it's 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 the educational system and the fact that from the part of the world we are from West Africa it was more known trans-saharan slave trade so yeah trans-saharan slave trade it's in its name sahara i think most west africans i might be wrong in saying this most West Africans do not know how deep the trans the trans-Saharan slave trade affected West Africa, or even way into southern part of Africa. Mm. But most East Africans might know, because if you actually research, just research Swahili, the language, Swahili, how. The, the history of the people of the Zanj, the, the, the country Tanzania, it's, it's a coming together of two places, uh, Tanganyika and Zanzibar. So Zanzibar was taken from the word Zanj, Zanjibar. In Turkish, um, the word Zenji has its origin from, from this word, Zanj, so Zanzibar. So if you go into that, you could actually go deeper and see the relations, the trade relations, the, 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 the slavery. 
through the Horn of Africa in countries like Ethiopia, Somalia. All these things, it needs detail and a specific study on it. Mm. I think we just started, we even didn't talk about the modern day slavery. Like it's, and it's time like is not, iceberg. yeah, time is not on our part. Maybe we have to come and do the second part of this podcast. We are going. We will talk about the modern day slavery and the influence of this uh, trans-Saharan and yes. um, transatlantic slave trade and how it devastated the continent. We are going to talk about it. We promise you. On that note, I think I th before you actually go, um, mm. when I was writing. Uh, some note on this the outlines were for me um prehistoric slavery medieval slavery and then historic slavery which is the transatlantic and then the trans-saharan then mm. i came to modern slave trade and then i came to technological slave trade very interesting oh interesting <laughs> yes so we might have to go into maybe in the sense of africa right yes absolutely in the sense of africa that is going to be very very interesting very very interesting and we will hope we have the time uh in the future to talk about these matters we will we know it's a very sensitive topic and people have to History is history. It doesn't. It doesn't mind about your. It doesn't care about your emotions. Yes, and nobody can teach you history within one hour. Yes. Or within a documentary, you have to read. You have to. I am a proponent of reading. Definitely. Read. Definitely. But you have to be selective when it comes to reading. And if I'd, I'd like to say, if people would want to know a lot about the. Arab contact with Africa as a whole and how everything was viewed. Some of the best sources are Arabic sources. And yes. I don't I don't really like the Western sources on that matter. Alright? So to look at the Western contact with Africa, you look at the Western sources and some African sources. To look at the Arab and the North Africa, Sub-Saharan, and then Middle Eastern with Africa, you look at those sources. So what I'm talking exactly. about is Ibn Batlan, Ibn Battuta, um, this Ibn Khaldun, really, really in-depth sources. Yes. Ibn Khaldun's Muqaddima is probably like 5,000 pages. So yeah. you have to like really go into it. So uh very good um what do you think do you think we can actually continue this later i think we have to we have to because right? as you you said we need to talk about the modern um the slavery how the transatlantic and trans-saharan slavery affected or opened the road to this modern um slavery and then the technological slave, that it's, it's, I love the name. And I want us to talk about it. Yeah, it's really, really nice. And I want to hear what, in, what it entails. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So um, I think we will have to end it 
now here and uh, we hope we were able to at least pique the interest of our listeners on this matter. Or to candle the curiosity Definitely. in our listeners to do some further readings. Definitely. So hopefully we will do more of such. And if anyone has things to talk about, you could always, always uh, contact us through the social medias. You could comment on our YouTube and Facebook. Uh, especially with the likes and comments, they really, you know, the, the algorithm of the, the, the internet, likes and comments, shares, are what actually helps us. Uh, so we like, we hope you to do this for us and we hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For listening to this episode of the African Experience Podcast. For show notes, visit us on www.theaexppodcast.com and follow us on social media at the AEXP Podcast.